Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. Glad to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad for the presence of Jesus here in this place. I want to get right to the word on this Resurrection Sunday morning. If you have your Bible, Psalm 23, familiar text. I imagine the majority of us in here can even quote most of this psalm by mind. You probably have memorized several of the verses here. But I felt the unction of the Holy Ghost to preach to you from this 23rd Psalm here on Easter Sunday morning. Psalm 23, verse 1. I give thanks to my friend and to your shepherd, Pastor Gill, and all the ministry of Medora Church, to Bishop Walls, all the preachers of the gospel, and to all of the saints of the Most High God here. And all of our visitors, thank you for being a part of this service and this revival. Psalm 23 and 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Preaching to you from this third verse of Psalm 23, the process of restoration. I feel the burden of this message here with you all. The process of restoration. Lord, speak to us. Let us have ears to hear what the Spirit says to this church. And God, once again, let it not be Joel who preaches, but let it be Jesus who preaches. God, speak through me. Speak to me and to every soul under the sound of my voice. Lord God, you take authority. You take the reins and the ship's helm of this revival service on Sunday morning. We bless your holy name and we all submit to you. I submit to God and all of us submit to God right now and open the ears of our understanding, Lord God, and our minds and our hearts and our very souls to receive your wisdom and your word and your will this morning. All the credit, all the honor, and all the praise goes to you, Lord God, in heaven above. All of us say in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one final time to God as you are seated in Medora Pentecostal Church. There are 23 pairs of chromosomes in human DNA. Therefore, in this book of Psalms, which numbers 150 Psalms, I would imagine, therefore, that at Psalm number 23, that there must be something, therefore, core to human identity that was created in us by God. And so when I read at this 23rd Psalm, in verse number 3, broaches the subject of restoration, I then identify that our godly identity 
identities must have something core about restoration in us that God has birthed and created in every man and every woman of God. I believe that restoration is part of the identity of the righteous. That restoration is part of our saved, sanctified identity in God. We believe in restoration. And one of the core restoration verses is Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Every one of us must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The first statement in Acts 2.38 is repentance. Acts 2.38 is a restoration verse. It encapsulates the salvation plan, the gospel message of repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And restoration is the first step. I must be restored to a right mind and a right attitude and right actions and a right conscience of God. And dear church, let me make this bold statement. If we don't believe in restoration, then we don't believe in Acts 2.38. But if we do believe in Acts 2.38, then we believe in a God of repentance and remission of sins and restoration and redemption. God can bring you back to where you should be. It can happen, and he can do it. And it is a process. Please allow me to preach to you that process. The process of restoration. I'm going to go verse by verse in Psalm 23. I begin at verse 1. First, I identify to you that there are four conditions of restoration. Four conditions of restoration. First condition of restoration. The Lord is my shepherd. That is our very first condition. God must be our shepherd. God must be in the captain's chair. God must have his hands on the ship's helm of our lives. God must be our heavenly decider and our holy chooser of future and destiny. Every decision and every major your life point. I must submit to Almighty God. He is in control. He is the king. He is the captain. He is our creator and he is the one true living Almighty God. He is El Shaddai. And if God is our shepherd, that means that nothing else can be. And oh yes, there are always alternative shepherds. There is a good shepherd and there is the opposite. So how do I know the difference betwixt the two? I am glad that Jesus illustrated for us the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. If you have your Bible's Gospel of John chapter 10 and verse number 11, let us see what Jesus says about a good shepherd in the gospel of John chapter number 10. I am the good shepherd. That is Jesus speaking to us in the first person. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Today we celebrate his resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. And so the greatest illustration of a good shepherd is he gives his life. And he is our example. And if I am a 
son of that good shepherd and you are sons and daughters of that good shepherd, then we must give our lives to him and to the kingdom and to his will. We must submit ourselves to God here this morning. He has authority. He is the king. He is our shepherd. But keep reading. Verse 12, he also describes the opposite of a good shepherd. He said, he that is a hireling. Now, what's a hireling? A hireling is one of my favorite King James-isms, one of my favorite King James 400-year-old words because we don't really use that word to encapsulate or describe people who have money lust anymore. But back in that day, the greedy were called hirelings. That means they were not working for God. They were working for this, the wallet. And she cannot serve this and this. You cannot serve God and mammon. One of them's got to go. Either I am led by money or I am led by the Spirit of God. I choose, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And like Joshua of old, as for me and my house, Medora Church, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd. You can't be a leader in the kingdom of God and be led by money. I'll say it again. You can't be a hireling and be a shepherd. You can't be leadership in the kingdom and make every decision based upon the almighty dollar. Either the dollar is almighty in your life or El Shaddai is. It's almighty God or almighty man. I must decide. I must serve God and God alone. Whose own the sheep are not. This hireling sees the wolf coming and he gets an Old Testament case of Levitus. The hireling sees a problem and he says, See ya, I'm out. That's the difference. All the fake shepherds and false preachers in your life, when troubles come, they aren't around. You can't get them on the phone, they don't respond to your text messages. You send them a private message and slide in their DMs on Facebook and you see the notification. It says message read and message received, but they aren't responding. Why? Because they aren't the voice of your shepherd and God does give you a good shepherd in your life. Get rid of the internet voices. Get rid of those YouTube preachers that you are calling your shepherd and your pastor. God has given you a good shepherd, bless God. God has appointed divine leadership in your life and everything else is a hireling and it has to go the first condition of restoration God must be our chief shepherd second condition Psalm 23 and verse 1 I shall not want and this strangely is the hardest condition of restoration. And let me break this down to you why this condition is so hard. Because when you need restored, we don't really believe that. 
when you need restoration and you are in need of repair of God, we think that we're going to go broke. We think things are going to go bad and we're in a revival service. We're in the altar call, kneeling down at the altar service and the evangelist comes down and pats us on the back and he says to you, don't worry, son. It's all going to be okay. Be honest. You want to punch him, don't you? Don't punch me, bless God, by the way. Don't punch the man of God. But in that moment, you want to deck that preacher who says to you, you're not going to want because you're thinking, have you seen my bank balance? Have you seen my bills in my email and in my snail mail? Have you seen the debts that I owe? It doesn't seem like it adds up. But yet I am not walking by sight. I am walking by faith. In spite of the bills, in spite of my debts, in spite of Chase Bank and Regions and Bank of America, I still believe, I shall not want that God is still Jehovah Jireh, my provider on Resurrection Sunday. Sunday morning, in spite of my circumstance and situations of life, I still believe that God shall provide for me. God is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I like this because he makes you lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. Those are the third and fourth conditions, and they are related. The third condition of restoration, he makes you lie down in green pastures. He appoints your rest. He makes you lie down because pre-restoration, before you are restored, you think to yourself, I have been there. All of us have been here. You think you know the exact pasture that you'll find rest in. But be honest. Did you find rest on the bar stool? Did you find rest in the whorehouse? Did you find rest in that den of iniquity? Of course not. Of course you didn't because there is no peace, saith God, to the wicked. Rest is a divine proclamation of the good shepherd. He appoints your rest. He appoints your down-sitting and your uprising. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He knows the safe, spiritual, geographical location of your rest and your peace and your joy in the Holy Ghost. He gives me rest. Jesus is called the Prince of peace. Peace is part of his identity. Fourth condition, he leadeth me beside the still waters. These are connected. Do you see? One is your rest and the other is your forward motion. The third condition is he appoints your rest in the green pastures. And the fourth condition is he appoints your forward progress. He's leading you beside the still waters. Let me throw some physics at you on Sunday morning. Are y'all ready for that? Bless God. Let me talk to you about still waters, uh, fluid dynamics right here. So who all has ever seen a peaceful river? Anybody ever go hiking on hiking trails or in national parks and you see still waters in a river? Let me talk to you about those waters. Have you heard the phrase, still waters run deep? Are you familiar with that old saying? Why, why do still waters run deep? Here's why. 
shallow waters have that river flowing. And when the waters are forced into a shallow depth, the full force of that river current is forced into a shallow depth of water. And therefore, you get river rapids. Rapids are shallower or more shallow waters, okay? But deep waters have a deeper depth and water volume to push that river current through and so the waters have less force no rapids in deep waters what he's saying is i'm leading you beside the deep waters you'll find the deep waters if you are led by god satan can't get you there demons can't get you there false preachers can't bring you there only the great shepherd only the good shepherd only god can take you to the deep places and the deep depths of his love. Upon these four conditions, upon the condition of God being my shepherd, upon the condition of me believing that God will provide for me, upon the third condition of God choosing my rest and God choosing my forward progress, then verse 3, I am restored i looked up the hebrew word here and there's two words for restoration in hebrew one word for restoration is found in joel 2:25, and i will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten and that word restore in hebrew is salam also related to the word shalom it means peace that word restore is the verb form of the word for peace he's saying i'll peace you i'll make peace in your life god makes peace he spoke to the waves peace be still and the storm became a calm my peace i leave you my peace i give you not as the world giveth give i unto thee blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of god peace is in god's will and God can restore to you your peace. That's truth. But there is also a second kind of restoration. There's a second word for peace right here in Psalm 23 and 3. Go back there, please. The word for peace here is shub. The word shub in Hebrew. And I looked this word up. That word for restoration means basically to return. To basically almost return back to where you are. And every pastor and every preacher and every counselor in the kingdom, I guarantee you, you've heard at least one soul make this statement. Any minister ever heard somebody say, I can't go back to where I was. That's a lie from hell, and Scripture proves it. God says you can when he's in control. He can bring you back to where you are. That's what restoration is. You thought it was impossible, but the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. God can bring you back. God can make a way. God can restore your life. I have seen Olympic race runners, and they all get in this starting line position when those Olympic race runners are about to run the race. And every so often, before the starter pistol goes off, that race runner, by mistake, 
takes off and gets themselves disqualified from that race. And they may think to themselves, I cannot run this race. But the beauty of restoration is you are brought back to where you started. You are returned to the starting position. You can run the race again. Preach again. Live again. Love again. Worship again. Pray again. Start again. Be a man of peace again. Restoration. Say restoration. And now that you are restored, there are seven blessings of restoration. The first blessing of restoration, now that you are restored, and only now that you are restored, is now he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his what? So the name's important, isn't it? Not the titles. The name matters. Say that. Say the name matters. It's significant. It's important. It's essential. It's salvific. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Say that name. Jesus. I believe in the name of Jesus. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, not just for me, but for his name. Because now that you're restored, you carry his name, that name of Jesus. And now you're a part of his family. Now you bear the identity of the name of God, the name of Jesus over your life. And for the sake of his name in you that you received in baptism, now he leads you in the paths of righteousness. I will also dispel one myth and lie of hell and lie of the world. The world tells you that when you're saved, your paths become limited and your options narrow down. Oh, you're having to live holy. You can't do this and can't do that. But God says when you live for him, your paths don't diminish. They multiply. They increase. Not just one path. You have a multiplicity and multiplication of option sets and lists in your life. He leadeth me in the paths plural of righteousness. There are more doors open to you now that you are in the will of God and there ever were out there in the Babylonian system of this world there are more options in your life now are that you are living for Jesus the paths of righteousness that's the first blessing second blessing verse 4 yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in verse 2, God makes you lie down in green pastures. God leads you beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. God does all things. But when I arrive in verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you notice that God is never said to have led you there? We blame God for all kinds of valleys of the shadow of death that God never even intended for our lives. God didn't take you there. Sometimes I made a mess in my life. Sometimes I made a stupid mistake or a bonehead decision that the Lord never told me to make. It's not God's fault. That's Joel's fault. But here's the blessing of restoration. Even in my mistakes, even in my bad decisions, I 
will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He's there in the valley that I made for myself. He is there in my own mess-ups and mistakes and burbles of life. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll go with you to the end of the world. He won't leave you in your valley of the shadow of death. His rod and his staff will comfort you. The rod was for beating the wolves away in the shepherd's instruments. And the staff was for nudging the sheep to go this way and that way. The rod was an offensive weapon, but the staff was a navigational instrument. Two different instruments of the shepherd in our lives. Third blessing of restoration, verse 5. One of my all-time favorites. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who all do we have in here who knows how to cook a meal? How many gourmet Pentecostal chefs are in Medora, Indiana? Bless God. I have seen and partaken of many Pentecostal delicacies throughout my evangelistic ministry. And the church said, Amen. I believe that many of you know exactly, exactly how to set the table in preparation for a dinner meal course. But here's the strange blessing of restoration is you take the hands off. Thou, not me, not Joel, not anybody else, but God then sets the table. God prepares a table before me and the dinner guests are so very peculiar, aren't they? They are your enemies. God prepares the table in the presence of of your enemies. Now, this is not original. I do confess I heard one other preacher make this point, okay? I heard this one preacher say, we all oftentimes pray the wrong prayer. We pray for God to kill our enemies. We pray for God to curse our enemies. And God don't do it because he's keeping them alive. Why? So he can prepare the table in the presence of your enemies. And God never said that they would dine with you. He just said that you would. You had the table set before you. And they were present. And they have to sit and watch you eat. They have to know that God is your provider in the presence of your enemies. You shall eat and be full. Be full of the meat and the manna and provision of God in your life. And the presence of the enemies shall not veto the meal of the master and the provision of your maker, Jehovah God. The fourth blessing of restoration. Thou anointest my head with oil. I've heard this one too, Pastor. People pre-restoration will tell us, I've lost my anointing. I've lost my calling. I've lost my old ministry. But one of the greatest blessings of restoration is he gives you a fresh anointing on your life. He reanoints you just like that oil of old they poured upon the head of Aaron that ran down his face, down his robe, to the bottom of his clothes. God shall pour on you a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost anointing, a new anointing, a new mantle, a new wardrobe of God and a fresh calling on your life. God reanoints you. He gives you new oil, new anointing in his spirit. Fifth blessing, 
my cup runneth over. When I was about six or seven years old, all of us in first grade and second grade in elementary school, we had a favorite restaurant that we all loved to go to. It was a magical place called Pizza Hut. Anybody heard of Pizza Hut in Medora, Indiana? Okay, now at Pizza Hut, they would give six-year-old Joel a cup a drink cup and they had a magical drink fountain and a six-year-old owns very little but I owned that cup and every first and second grader would do the following mistake We'd all go to the fountain and we'd pour every single drink fountain from that fountain into that one big gulp cup. We'd pour the Dr. Pepper and the Mountain Dew and the Sweet Tea and the Diet Pepsi and the Mellow Yellow. Everything would get poured into that one cup. And by the time that six-year-old Joel was done, you guessed it, that cup was a running over. Well, let me now proclaim claim to you the blessing of the cup. Just like I was a child back then, so now we are children of God. And so like manner, we have a cup. And when our Father gets done pouring out of his fountain from his throne room above, our cup in like manner shall overflow and run over with the blessings of God. Sixth blessing of restoration. Surely, say surely. Surely, verse six, goodness and mercy. I'll follow them? No, they shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. The blessing of restoration is you won't have to take out your spiritual shovel and dig for mercy. You won't have to tie a rope around goodness and beg God to have goodness back in your life. No, now the goodness of God and the mercy of God shall follow me as long as I am led by him in the paths of righteousness. Then good Goodness and mercy are following along in that wagon train of the Holy Ghost in my life. Now, goodness and mercy are along for that spiritual ride in my future ahead. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, say forever. Final blessing as you stand. Seventh blessing. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You're not going to be kicked out. You're not going to be disenfranchised from the kingdom of God. You shall not be disinherited by your father. Now you have a permanent residence in the house of the Lord. This is your house. I'm not taken off for a journey in the far country like the prodigal son of old. I'm going to have spiritual staying power. I'm here. This is my dwelling place. I'm not going to leave again. I need restoration today. I have preached to you these seven blessings of restoration and the four conditions. And this morning, I believe on Resurrection Sunday, many of us have felt the prick in our hearts and that nudge and tug of the Holy Ghost. 
And if you have, if you feel like you want to have restoration, and even if you have been restored and you just want confirmation, I'm asking you all to come. Would you come and lead the chairs? In fact, would all of you come and join me up front right now and receive the restoration of God in your lives? I'm going to have them put up Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, if you could please. This is our restoration verse. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, all of us. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Restoration. That promise is unto us and to our children and to as many as are afar off. Receive his holy anointing. Receive his restoration. Receive the good shepherd today. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.